for men to be fully men, we need women to be fully women. That is not a message that we necessarily get from our culture. Strong women make strong men and strong men make strong women. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Every Knee Shall Bow, your weekly Catholic podcast on evangelization. My name is Mike the Gomer Gormley, and I am joined by the Dave Van Vickle. <laughs> okay, you kind of switched it up here on me. Well, That's th- cool. Th- this is what I'm thinking. This is what I'm thinking. Like, there is no greater nickname than having a definite article in front of your first name. The? The Dave. Yeah. That's cool. Come on. That's Come cool. On. Or an Esquire at the end. <laughs> I love the name Esquire. I don't know what it means. Uh, I don't know why people have it, but God bless them. I don't either, it. but it seems like a lot of lawyers. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. There's a Denzel Washington yeah. movie where he's a lawyer. Hey, so I want to hear about, I mean, you came to Pittsburgh. We had a, a glorious dinner together. We did. We did. Celebrating yeah. that vigil of the solemnity of St. Joseph <laughs> together in union with and, all of God's children. Yeah. Yeah, and then the next day I had to leave, and you did a men's conference, and I heard it went great, and I want to hear about, I want to talk about men's ministry a little bit with you. Yeah, men's ministry is interesting because I, uh, you know. They don't laugh at your jokes. (laughs) Yeah, none of them. Oh, gosh. So, no, here's the difficulty with men's ministry. I'm a millennial. I'm at the tail, uh, the upper end, right? Yes. We're at the upper end of the millennials. We are the Oregon Trail generation millennials. So we yeah. were people of two worlds. We were the people that before cell phones became ubiquitous, before social right. media, before the internet, before always on, broadband, blah, blah, blah. And now we live in this world, but we were young enough to quickly adopt it, right? So, you know, for my parents' generation, all this technology stuff, it's still confusing, for us, it's a tool for younger kids. It's an extension of their existence. And so it's really hard for me to speak to those three generations or whatever. But they were all represented at the men's conference. Okay. The room was full. Okay. The, so they had the wonderful, what is it called, Brother Andres? Yeah, you got to go to Brother Andres, my favorite place. I know. Yeah, so awesome coffee shop. Great coffee, by the way. Great coffee. I'm not, I'm, I'm not a coffee sn- snob, so I yeah. don't yeah, it's just, cool. it's just liquid dirt to me to give me caffeine. Um, <laughs> but um, the 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 event was run by Dry Bones Ministries, right, in conjunction with the Archdiocese, or or the other way around. Yeah, with the diocese. Yep, not yeah. Archdiocese, but diocese. Yep. Yeah, so it was awesome having both bishops. Number one, they they were they, incredible that they were at this event. Number one. Yeah. Um, yeah. So often when I do diocesan events the people who are ultimately in charge like the boss's boss and the bishop they're rarely there it's similar like and and these are the exceptions when i do parish missions i almost never meet the priests right they right right, it's like uh, and you know whatever it's almost like they take the day off yeah Yeah, and to a certain extent that really bums me out because i'm like here i am an outsider speaking to your congregation but also, and right. but also, this event could be a catalyst for them and their own faith. So, don't you want to be a part of that? But also, at the same right. time, I'm, our priests there are so few and far between that I'm sure they're just burned out all the time, always. So right, right, right. I, I try it. not to judge, um, but it it is amazing when you have you know people like Father Joe so dedicated to these men in this ministry. And the hard thing for me is to think that I and this might sound weird, but it is difficult for me to think that I have something worth hearing from a quote-unquote men's ministry oh i totally know what you're talking yeah 
I totally know what you're But see, like, yeah. when I think of you, I think of you as, like, the manliest guy I know. And so... Oh, but I'm terrified of men. <laughs> I, don't, I don't like... <laughs> you don't like men. Yeah. I mean, you were a bouncer... You you've hospitalized oh, yeah, that kind people. Of stuff. I see what you're saying. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, that kind of thing. I guess I see what you're saying. But like, I don't. You know, I don't like remember names of athletes. Oh, yeah. Or I hate. I hate the worst thing you could ever ask me is to play golf. <laughs> like things like that. You know, like I hate that kind of stuff. I had an interview episode for Catching Foxes with the priest, um, priest Father Gregory Pine, who was at Francisco yeah, when yeah, we yeah. were there. He does a lot with Pine. He's come on this podcast before, yeah. right? I wasn't here. Though. Yeah, he did. Yeah. And he's coming on in the future um, to talk about his new book, which is why I had him on Catching Foxes. But he's on the schedule, I think, for late April. And uh, we were talking, and I said, you know, what are your thoughts about men's ministry? Because this was about a month before I came up. And yeah. he said, you know, one of the great lines that he had was, for many men, you need, like, alcohol and cigars or something like that. And they can, in essence, run forever. Like, you get a bunch of guys in a room. You give them, like, beer, whiskey, or cigars yeah. or something like that. He goes, they'll stay okay. there all day. They'll, they'll, it'll never end. Like, they'll sit around talking. Yeah. But if you ask the men to come to a room to have a conversation, to sit in small group and talk about their feelings, like, they don't even know what to do with themselves. There, he's, he right, had this right, line. Right. And I've heard this repeated from one of the largest men's ministries in the evangelical world at Austin Stone. The pastor said, show me where else outside the church a group of men sit in a circle and talk about their feelings or their right. thoughts. You know, I don't want to demean it by talk about your feelings, but like he goes, it doesn't happen. He says, most men don't sit in circles. They're all facing the same direction. They're watching the game. They're doing yep. this. They're working yep. on yep. something. They're, you know, and I thought that's a great way to view it. Good men's ministry usually happens within the context of something else that's happening. And so yeah. to have these men, you gather them, you feed them, you sit around, you do all this stuff. And I was, in a sense, you could say, instead of small groups, it was they were coming to hear a presentation. So what did right. I do? I did not want to go the route of masculinity. Like, let's talk about like yeah, men's right. issues. How about Let the women old be shopping? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh man! And so, uh, so what I decided was, um, and Father Father Joe gave me the the scantest of outlines so that I could like kind of take it in whatever direction I felt. And what did you ask for that? Yeah. Oh, why okay. you asked for an outline? Because I would never ask for that, and I'd be super offended if they gave it to me. Oh, but see, <laughs> I don't want to paint a blank canvas. I need. I don't know what they've Ooh, done before, man. so. Oh man! I hate painting with a blank canvas. I like I don't. Okay, so I have this principle called my outline comes from the Lord. Sorry, <laughs> I'm just sorry. <laughs> you are holier than me. Um, <laughs> mine comes from a rigorous SWOT analysis. No, uh, <laughs> so, so when I think about these things, I have a principle that I thought of, and I, we've talked about it on the show before. But I really do believe this. It's called the principle of missional continuity. I'm an outsider coming to your people. You tell me what right. they need to hear. You tell me I what their heart longs for, and I will do my. I will apply whatever topic you need to spreading the basic gospel message within the context of evangelizing. So I'm not going to talk about politics. I'm going to talk about the saving love of Jesus Christ with the cross over Washington D.C. or whatever. So 
Um, that was my perspective. I'm going to talk to them about the gospel. And I started thinking about it in the context of here is a group of men who are willfully coming out post COVID restrictions. It's the first major event for this men's ministry. We're going to have adoration. It's going to go from like 3 PM till 9 PM. It concludes, you know, their confessions all day. So I, this is what I thought. I want to prepare them for reception of Holy communion for reception of Holy confession and for going home a changed man. And right. I know I'm not going to change it, but the best thing that I can do is and this is and this is where I'm going to stop talking is I feel like men need an aggressive challenge in the in the talks. Like you can't yep. it's not enough to give them content. Yep. The content has to be all driven to a challenge. What are your thoughts? Right. Right. Yeah, 100%. I am like the kind of guy who like if I see an advertisement and it's like lose weight and don't change what you're eating at all or something like that. It's like, no thanks. But if it's like, don't eat for four weeks, just drink this, you know, crazy juice or something <laughs> like that. I'm like, yeah, that sounds familiar. <laughs> like, like that sounds great. Like I I and I and I just had this conversation yesterday. I'm glad you brought it up. Uh, I had a conversation with a, a rector at a seminary. And in I was speaking to him, and he was telling me that they, that you know a, a major issue is like pornography, you know, like like that's a major issue that for the first four years of seminary they're dealing with. Okay, and and I was like, well, easy, like just the first year of seminary, just tell them there's no such there's no phones, like you're not allowed to have it at all. Period. Like there's you're not allowed to have them. And literally, he said, well, I did suggest that, but the bishop, and this is a diocese far away, so I'll just remain nameless. But the bishop is worried that it will deter vocations. And I was like, no, it's the opposite. Put a big, I, I, you know, call them to something great. Have them climb Everest. Don't, don't have them, you know, I, I don't know. It's just do a trust fall. You know what I mean? It's like <laughs> they want this. They want that. I, so I agree with you 100%. I don't know. I think the young people also want trust falls. But, uh, but I digress. Uh, agree to disagree. <laughs> No, but one of the things about phone, like I understand the bishop's apprehension all their whole lives. I mean, I literally said for us, it's a tool for younger people. It's a part, an extension of themselves. But here's the deal. People are addicted to their phones like they're addicted to cocaine. They hate the right. fact that they are addicted to it. And the moment right. you give them freedom from it, you reset their defaults and they will thank you for it. Case in point, you know, a month ago we did our confirmation retreat and we take 100% of the cell phones. You take them away from yeah. the teens. And then we, at the end of the retreat, we make them do an evaluation. Guess what they said was their favorite part of the retreat? Uh, no way. My, really? My talks. No. Taking away their oh. cell phones. I'm just kidding with you. It was taking, I was like, that's anticlimactic. Yeah, that <laughs> that's has, a strange turn. That was, a, that was no segue there. <laughs> no, it was taking. They said that I, I finally felt like I could breathe. Yeah. 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 Like, come on. I, I, come I on. mean, I totally think that that's. Yeah, I, I totally think that's true. And I think taking big swings and telling that's why exodus 90 is sweeping the church I right think now so. i think so because it's so intense you know and it and even like we see this in secular culture like why i mean when you look at i mean okay i'm gonna i don't want to get off topic here but when you look at crossfit yeah, right yeah i mean it it violates every weightlifting rule out there you know what i mean where you're like what you're gonna do a hundred of those like that's ridiculous, you know, but that's what people, they want that. They want challenge in the context of community, yeah. right? Yeah, Because they if love you it. have they people who are competitors, but also cheering you on, like in right. your box, in your CrossFit box, that's what they do. 
In community right. is more intense in a CrossFit box than it is at your local parish, right? Yeah. If we could yeah. imitate half of the level of community that they have, it, you know, as one gang member says, uh, said when he left his local <laughs> church, he said, I thought, I thought uh, going to becoming a Christian was like joining a gang. Like, this is your life now. I had no idea yeah. it was just a thing I did on Sundays. And the pastor oh, was like, that's uh, so sick. And that was yeah. after a year of him volunteering for every single thing he could possibly do, you know? Yeah, see, because that is their entire yeah. life, right? And Bishop Aaron was talking with Jordan Peterson one day, and he, he's, he, you know, Bishop Aaron calls Jordan, he calls it the Jordan Peterson effect. In the middle of the new atheism, you have all these young men abandoning Christianity with hatred, and then Jordan Peterson comes along, who is not explicitly a Christian, and all of a sudden, he just talks about God from a psychological perspective, and right. all of these young men are finding meaning, purpose, and these were people who were literally, you know, people living in their base, like the stereotype of, I hate yeah, my dad, right. I hate my mom, I resent right. women, I live in my basement, and now they're getting jobs, going to school, taking physical care of themselves, like hygiene-wise, all that stuff. And Bishop Barron said, like, I call this a Jordan Peterson effect, and why do you think it has it? And he said, he goes, you know, I don't understand why the Catholic Church is not challenging these young men. You're not challenging them to right. do anything. He said, the other anything. day I was driving down the street and I saw a man who is like Jim Muscles, right? And he's yeah. he's ripped and he's big and he's holding two pink shopping bags waiting for his girlfriend to get out of a, a store. And he's standing on the street corner and I was just idling and I looked at that guy and he looked miserable and he said... Bishop Aaron, if you would walk up, and I'm, I'm trying to remember the story, this paraphrase, he's like, if you were to walk up and say, this is what Christ is asking of you right now, like give your life up and let's go do something crazy right. for, for the Lord. Right. He goes, I think that man would have literally dropped the bags and run. He said, but when I hear church figures, you're so busy watering down the gospel, there is no adventure. Right. There is no challenge. And I don't yeah. also want to say, let's let's insert the caveats. It is not that women don't want to go on these things. It is not that women don't want to be challenged either. But I find that, and, and, and I'm not praising so as to put down, but I find that women who are in tune in the slightest with their faith can go to things like talks and uh, in conferencias, what we have here every, every Tuesday, uh, third Tuesday of the month, it is filled with women who just want to hear the gospel and they take it home yeah. and they, it's, it's almost like, and I know this isn't it, but this is the way I, I see it sometimes. It's almost like there is a spiritual intuition within the maternal heart or the feminine heart that, uh, that grasps the spousal love of Christ and immediately starts putting it into action. Whereas for men, it's not as intuitive. It is not, or, right. or as right. easy. I don't know what it is. No, I think that's. I think you're exactly right. I th I think it's not as intuitive, and I think, in a certain sense, women are ahead of us in a, in a little bit. You know, like they don't they don't need that medium that we need, which is we we have to we have to have the hurdle of adventure, greatest adventure, greatest adventures God. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I uh, I think that that's true. yeah. So getting back to my my thing, whenever I have to give the men's talk on like a Sumil Youth Conference. A lot of it involves yeah. pornography, and you don't want to just talk about that, but this is literally the only time they'll ever hear that message. So then one of right. the things that I try to do is always put everything in the context of virtue because virtue is challenge. Virtue is growth in right. my life. Virtue changes who I am, not just what I do. And so the idea is to couch it in the in the perspective of an authentic view of chastity, uh, of the virtue of chastity, not just abstinence, not just saying no. 
But for these men, I'm sitting there and I'm driving out and I'm thinking, and I said, you know what I want to do? I don't want to give a men's talk. I want to talk to men about the gospel, right? Just And so I just thought, I, I, don't, right. I don't need to come up with the masculine journey. No, right. I don't. Uh, what I need to do is preach the gospel. And I, I even said to myself, it's funny. I'm going to preach this gospel in such a way that the women who are um, helping out from Dry Bones and from uh, the diocese and whatever, like Aaron and whatnot, like they can hear it and will take just as much away from it sure. as, as the men in the room will. The only difference is this is aimed at the men, right? And so my, my basic thing was, here's why it is hard to worship Jesus Christ in our culture today. And a lot of it was the reciprocity between faith and the sacraments. Sure, right. So right. I talked about how hard it is to understand symbols. I talked about how hard it is to focus, keep the main thing the main thing. Then the second talk, I told them all they were going to go to hell. Nice. Now let me, yeah, it was nice. sweet. <laughs> no, I always do that in every talk. <laughs> I, or not in every talk, but in every like major presentation. Because I need people to understand that even though we are in Christ, we are all under judgment, right? Because he is the judge. And he will come again according to judge the living and the dead. And so when we understand this, the, the phrase under judgment, it's not just like, oh, uh, I'm afraid to make a misstep. It's this idea that I, that God pays my freedom, the terrible compliment of an eternal separation with him if that's what I choose. Yeah. So then what are spiritual dangers? For me, for the men in that room who come volitionally on a Saturday, no one's forced them to be there. The number one fear I have for those men in that room are I'm a religious consumer. Yeah. Yeah. Here I am. Look how good I am. I'm hearing it. No, it's not to say I, I did not, I would not point out a single person there who demonstrated that. No, but course. that's always what I have in the back of my head. Cause how many talks have you and I been to where it's like, Oh, this is a great topic. And we consume and we consume. Yeah. And I said, the most evil thing you can do is to come into this place be surrounded by all this, think you're a better person because you heard a talk or two, and then you walk out the door and not a single thing changes, changes in, in your, your life. life. Yeah. 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 It's, it's a, I, 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 I have horror like dreams of just like, it's like a rat on a wheel, yeah. you know? And, and I know that there are people who I know so many times in where I failed in discipleship is when you evangelize someone and they think that Christianity is now a schedule. Yeah. Right? Like that they've gone from consumerism in the public sphere to now consumerism in the Catholic sphere. Like I mean, I know a family who is at every single Catholic event, every single one, to the point that I'm, I, want, I want to say to them like, well, isn't family also important or is it like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like what, when are you actually like just being with your family? Yeah. Like it's, it's very strange, you know? So. I heard a priest give a homily one time or not a homily, a, a talk in our youth group one time about um, how subtle the temptations of Satan are when I was probably 15. And he said, um, you know, there's this woman who was a visionary and she would get these visions of the blessed mother and the Blessed Mother would appear, would like animate a statue in the church. Like the head would turn, when, and this woman would yeah. go to daily yeah, yeah. mass. 
and her none of her her husband and her kids they're not the husband's a non-believer and you know how that kind of trickles down to the children so she would go to daily mass she would kneel before the statue of mary and she'd pray a rosary after mass one day the statue spoke to her and then every day and then the statue said will you come here every day and pray a rosary and then as she would do it it would get longer and longer and the will you make a holy hour will you stay here longer will you do this more and then she told and her husband was really mad and she's like well that's because you don't have any faith long and short of the story was the priest the parish priest when he found out about it he said this is what i want you to do next time this happens i want you to throw holy water there this exorcism water on the statue yeah and so it does and she does and it reveals itself as a satanic influence oh and so when she went to the priest she said you know what is this and he said satan was tempting you with prayer to deny your vocation to your family yeah and it's like yeah wow wow that's scary yeah that is scary but you know keeping the main and also what's scary is that uh you, you use like like mainstream jesuit language of satanic influence and you couldn't just call it a demon <laughs> this is like a like evil like, not personified it's like basically a collection <laughs> of the evil in the woman's mind that she was having delirious she like psychological visions. manifestations but you know what that might be her truth you know we just have to lean into this <laughs> that was awesome oh, my buddy does accuse me of being jesuitical at times uh but that's because nuance yeah, no matters. no <laughs> No, no, it's it, Gomer. It's a brilliant Jesuits and brilliance go hand in hand because I'll tell you why. I mean, they've gone crazy, but don't get me wrong. But, but to be able to hold a bad idea in your mind and not assent to it is a that's a gift. That's a gift. <laughs> it is. I'm serious. I'm dead I have serious. So many bad ideas. So many bad. ideas. Well, I'm just no. I'm just. I'm just. I'm. I'm being honest. Like I like that. That's. It's important that I think it's something that we can't do now. There's like a fundamentalism that's that's rampant, and I know this is off topic, but like <laughs> this idea of like I need to know what's true, I want to I want to memorize that, and I don't want to hear anything else. Yeah. When in all actuality, what we're called to do is test the spirits and hold two ideas against each other, let them clash, yeah. and come out in the end. Yeah, interesting, Anyways. interesting. Yeah, so <laughs> so I ended up wrapping up the men's session with the challenge. The challenge is. Can we really go before our Lord? Can we go to? Can we seek Him in this confessional? Can we seek Him in the Eucharist? And can we own up to the fact that there is so much of our lives that over 30, 40, 50, 60 years of following Jesus, nothing's changed. And it can't do that for another year, you know, basically. That that, that was the, the gist of the message. And it was cool because this is what I liked about the event. There was, there was the intro, and I gave the first talk, and then they went upstairs and we did Mass. So now it's now we're doing a thing. Then they had confessions, lunches, like all or dinner, all available. And there was a break from the talks. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't like, well, we got them for right. four hours, right. so let's give them four hours worth of back to back to back talks. I mean, yeah, there was a homily, but it was not a talk. And so all of these things I think reinforced the quality of the event and and gave them time to hear and to receive. We got to give people, I'm a big believer in this, we got to figure out a way for people who aren't praying how to receive. I think the number one problem of modernity is we don't know how to receive. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and we're not, I mean, 
Right. It used to be a very, if someone, it, it, you know, even 50 years ago would say, I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. One of the marks of that disciple was daily scripture reading and praying about the scriptures, yeah. learning to receive. Right. So it's, it's not that way anymore. That's good. I heard, I heard good things about the, about the, the conference and everything. So it was obviously well received. I think I, I find men's ministry the most difficult. Hmm. Um, but I like your approach was no, I'm, I'm just going to preach the gospel to men as opposed to preach a man's gospel. <laughs> oh, whoa. Someone tweet that. Someone tweet that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. then the wonderful thing was the example of the priests who were there in attendance. You right. know, you have right. Father Joe, you have these other priests that come, and what do they do? They lock themselves, you know, the bishops, they lock themselves in the confessional, and they don't right. leave until they're done. And right. men, sometimes, uh, human beings, we create excuses at the lightest friction between us and confession. And I'm guilty of yeah. this 100%. At the lightest yeah. friction, we're like, nah, I'll do it later. You know, and they, it oh, was yeah. as if they said, you know what we're going to do? We're just going to take away all excuses and we're just going to lock yep. ourselves in these rooms and you guys come up and when you, when you, when you're able, just walk into these doors and kneel down and get that forgiveness. I keep coming back to this one quote. We are all one act of repentance away from being restored fully to God. You know, for the, what's that? From? I, I can't remember. That's a great quote. It's a great quote. Like you're one confession away. From being from going to communion, if you are, you know, like so, I was talking with this woman, and she said, you know, it's been thirty years since I've received Holy Communion. I'm, you know, in my third marriage, none of them, you know, first one was Catholic, divorce, messy, blah blah blah. And she goes, and now I just don't know what to do. I would love, love, love to receive the Eucharist. And I go, how much would you love to receive it? Yeah, like how much? And she was like, well, I do anything. I was like, okay, I'm going to tell you what you can do, and tomorrow you can receive Holy Communion. And she's like, what are you talking about? I said, you are one great confession away from reception of Holy Communion. And I was like, but you have to understand what that reception means or what that, that confession means. It means, you know, the catechism says for repentance, a radical reorientation of your life. So can you and your, your currently civilly married husband forego the sexual act so that you can receive Holy Communion tomorrow? And she just looked at me like with tears in her eyes. And she's like, Absolutely. I said, well, you, yeah. you might want to talk to your husband first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you might want to have yeah. that conversation. Yeah. But see, it's, that's the con. And I am so lucky that I met heroic Catholics, the Burks, husband and wife, who when they had their conversion and came back to Christ, they were not in a Catholic marriage. They were civilly married because they had been divorced. Both of them had been divorced, I believe. And they both, it took four years for their annulments to go through. Wow. Four years. Wow. And she said to him, my love for Christ in the Eucharist is greater than my love for our marriage bed. Right. And he said, that's why I married yeah. you. Yeah. yeah. Right? And that, like, and, and that was my, this was a family that was fairly early on in my ministry years. To see them now, and I had nothing to do with marriages then. Now I'm with marriages. I I share that story all the time. Yeah, yeah. It's heroic. It, that's heroic yeah. holiness. It's beautiful. It, it right? is today, at least. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's awesome. That that is a. That, if you can't see the romance in that story, then you're crazy. You know, you're blind to it. Right. Uh, yeah, that's awesome. Well, that's good. I mean, I think that uh, men's ministry needs to happen. You know, I think that we have to keep moving forward and figuring out how to do it. I think. 
your approach was great, and I know that I've heard a lot of good things. So uh, you but, keep you saying know, that. What are people saying? What's the scuttlebutt? I would never, I would never ever tell you. Dang it! I know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I think uh, one of the things that's really important is that you can do all the men's ministry in the world, but what Gomer said is the most important. Like the example of priests is going to be. You can't do it without the example of good priests. We need good holy priests to to be there and to sh- be examples of masculinity because we have we have to have look only men can be priests i mean that's just the nature of the of the sacrament right and we need good masculine priests to show what it's what it's like what what it is you know that they're happy and joyful and yeah you know one of my favorite lines from sister miriam was she talks about you know kind of going off our last episode with lisa cotter um about the feminine genius she said to me, or she said in a talk one time, I felt like she was talking to me because that's what Sister Miriam does. She talks right yeah. to your soul. Um, she right. said this wonderful line. She was talking about the stupid Star Wars sequels. And she yeah. said, you know, Luke Skywalker, here he is all jaded, failure, you know, exiled himself, all this stuff. And uh, it took a woman to awaken him to his call to adventure. Huh, huh. That's you know, true. and she said, if you look at it from this perspective, and I'm like, it's still a terrible movie. But if you look at it from this perspective, <laughs> You're such a nerd. right? She, she had to break into his world yeah, and constantly challenge him because he had failed so terribly. He pushed the challenges away yeah, like he was done and it killed his masculine spirit. Yeah. So here is a non-sexual, right, in terms of, right. you know, all, all the romantic stuff, but but absolutely sexual in terms of the union of the two sexes, right? Right. It was her feminine genius that caused him to step outside of himself as a man and ultimately to do the thing that we are all called to do, to lay down your life for your beloved, which is what you know he does at the end of the movie. He, he dies so that others might live. And when she put it in that terms, I was like, that almost saved the franchise for me. No, it wasn't (laughs) the heart of the gospel, JP. And my marriage. And my marriage. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks, Shia. So um, I just think of that in terms of the priesthood as well. For for men to be fully men, we need women to be fully women. Yeah. And for women to be fully women, fully alive in Christ, that's what it takes. Like they need men to be real men and fully men and fully alive in Christ. And the thing is the that that is not a message that we necessarily get from our culture strong women make strong men and strong men make strong women and that's what we need in order to have strong families a strong church a beautiful priesthood a beautiful a religious life like that's what we want so uh domino gloria amen amen as always if you have any questions for us email us at eksb at ascensionpress.com we love to hear we have a bunch of questions coming in so we will do an episode soon clearing up a a bunch of those. Uh, let us know about your uh, evangelization stories, what you're doing, your apostolates, because we love to hear about it. And as always, we're here uh, to answer any questions you have. Yeah. And we got some great interviews coming up. Super excited about. Yeah. All right, y'all. God bless. Stay classy. God bless. <laughs>